0: Good morning, church family. Uh, this is the good stuff. Grab your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Acts, chapter 5. Or if you'd like to use your iPhone, or if you're a nonconformist, your Android, and uh, like my wife, and uh, hit. Uh, U-version app and more and events, you'll find our church, all the verses you'll need will be right there in the palm of your hand. Uh, And as you're doing that, let me just do a quick review of history with you. Some of the most significant moments in history, turning points in human history have come because men and women of courage refused to obey the unjust edicts of their government. We call that uh, civil disobedience. Matter of fact, you go all the way back to 1773. Samuel Adams and the Sons of Liberty and the Boston Tea Party who, who, who proclaimed that there was taxation without representation going on, right? Three years later, we had the Declaration of Independence. Or, or maybe you remember it was in 1920, and all those who fought for the women's suffrage movement, all those who fought for women to vote, had the right to vote in this country, which that 19th Amendment was finally ratified in 1920. Ladies, you've only been able to vote in this, vote in this country for 100 years. But there are still some countries where women don't get to vote. So you can thank God for all those who fought and, and defied uh, the government's edicts to fight for the right for you to vote in this country. That took place in 1920. Or maybe you remember your history class in 1933, how Mohandas Gandhi marched across Indi- India in defiance. It was called the Salt March in defiance of the British unjust taxes on the salt industry. They were taking all the profits from all these poor people. So Gandhi walked across Indi- India in defiance of it. Or then maybe, you, of course, you remember Rosa Parks in 1955, who refused to give up her seat at the front of the bus in civil disobedience of the unjust laws of segregation that used to exist in our country. Each of these acts in their own way led to real-world change. Well, my beloved, if there is such a story of civil disobedience in the New Testament, you've got it right here in your hands. It's Acts chapter 5 check this out. Let's begin in verse 17 for context. It says, but the high priest stood up along with all his associates, that is the sect of the Sadducees, and they were filled with jealousy. Okay, so let's talk about what's going on here. Well, if you were here with us last week, we talked about how the apostles of Jesus, filled with the Holy Spirit, we're going out and preaching and teaching new life in Jesus Christ. And there was just this fresh wind and fresh fire to their teaching. And so the, the, the old guard of religious laws, who were teaching religious laws, the people were being drawn away from them and drawn to the apostles by the thousands. So the old guard was, was losing, losing their influence, losing their power, losing their popularity, and their hearts, this says, was filled with jealousy. Now, may I just make this declaration statement? No good thought, no good deed, no good word is ever born out of a heart filled with jealousy. May I speak to all the young people here, all the young people listening online, wherever you may be in the world? All my young friends, listen to Pastor Arm, who loves you. You're going to get a choice in this life between comparison or contentment. Comparison, I'll call the cancer of comparison. Comparison is a cancer to your soul. Well, she's prettier than me, or he's smarter than me. He's stronger than me. He's faster than me. He's richer than me. He's taller than me. Look, I'm an identical twin, all right? I've been compared to my entire life. Cancer of comparison. You can choose that if you want. But my strong encouragement to you, my young brothers and sisters, is that you choose the cure of contentment. My young friends, This is what the Apostle Paul called the secret of being content, the secret of contentment. It is the cure for your soul. Learn to be content with who you are, with who God made you to be, with how you look, with the gifts and abilities that God's given you. You're the only you. We don't need a second her. We need the first you. Be you. Be content with how God has made you to be. No good word, deed, or thought is ever born out of a heart filled with jealousy. So these religious leaders... They had jealous hearts. So in their jealousy, what did they do? Verse 18, they laid hands on the apostles, not in a good way, and to put them in a public prison. That's what they did. They put them in prison. So... Uh, This is not the first time, nor will this be the last time, that followers of God were put in prison simply for following God. Maybe you remember that Jeremiah was put in prison, John the Baptist was put in prison, Daniel was put in prison, and that was with lions, all simply because they were following the edicts of God. Well, now the apostles were put in prison simply for following God. And by the way, this is still happening in droves across the world. Do you know this? There's this ministry called Open Doors. I went on their website and checked the latest data that they had. The latest data that they had said that in 2018, amongst the top 50 countries known for persecuting Christians, 2,625 followers of Jesus have been arrested and detained without trial and put into prison in the last year. 2,625 around the world today, simply for following Jesus. It's still happening today. So the apostles were imprisoned for their faith in a public prison, probably because they want to expose them to a public ridicule. But watch what happens next. This is so cool. Verse 19, come on. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the gates of the prison and leading them out, he said, go stand and speak to the people in the temple area, the whole message of this life. And upon hearing this, they entered into the temple area about daybreak and began to teach. Now that's cool. An angel of the Lord led a prison break. Hallelujah. That's cool. And he came with him uh, a message, right? And this was a message that was heaven sent, go into the temple area and teach about this whole life. Well, what's the life? It's the eternal life. It's the abundant life. It's what the Bible calls the life that is truly life of being a follower of Jesus Christ. Go and teach everybody about all that. So an angel leads the prison break and brings a message with him from heaven. So what do the disciples do? They do exactly what the angel said. Verse 21, they obeyed. Upon hearing this, they entered into the temple area about daybreak and began to teach. Now, that's an amazing story, but you can imagine how uh, this led to quite a stir of confusion among those who were guarding them and those who had put them in there, all right? And that's what's next. Second half of verse 21, let's keep going on our story. So now when the high priest and his associates came... They called the council together, that is, all the Senate of the Sons of Israel. This is all the bigwigs, political and religious leadership, and sent orders to the prison for them to be brought, but the officers who came did not find them in the prison. And they returned and reported saying, we found the prison locked quite securely and the guards standing at the doors, but when we opened them, we found no one inside." Now, and now when the captain of the temple guard and the chief priest heard these words, they were, you can imagine, greatly perplexed about them as to what would come of this. But someone came and reported to, to them, hey, these men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple area and teaching the people. And then the captain went along with the officers and proceeded to bring them back without violence, for they were afraid of the people that they might be stoned. Now I probably need to explain that last phrase really quickly. That doesn't mean that they were afraid that the people had spent an extra week in Colorado. Are you following me? All right. You just got that. All right. (laughs) What that means is, remember, the apostles had become so popular in their teaching that they were afraid that dragging the apostles away, they were going to make all the people mad and the people were going to throw rocks at them. All right? That's kind of how they did it back then. In Texas, we'd just shoot you. But back then, they throw rocks, right? So that's what they were afraid of. So you can imagine, so you kind of have to chuckle at this whole scene. Here are these guards, these prison guards, who are standing guard over a prison cell that is empty. They're standing over it all night. Daybreak rises. They look in, they're going, hey, where'd they go? I'm greatly perplexed. I've been guarding this prison cell all night. It's kind of like uh, I I watched these these videos of this guy, Dustin Tavella. He just won America's Got Talent. Any of y'all watch that show, America's Got Talent? Okay, me neither. <laughs> but uh, this guy just won. Okay, Dustin Tabella Seems like a sweet dude, by the way. He and his wife used to run a homeless ministry. They adopted two kids. Anyway, seems like a sweet dude. Happy for him. And his magic tricks. You, I watched some of the YouTube videos of it. It's like, how do he do that? I'm greatly perplexed. How do he do that? Well, all the people in the first century who who got to watch these guys preach and teach in the temple area, having locked them in prison, are like, how do they do that? I'm greatly perplexed. Except in our story, it wasn't magic. It was a miracle. God did a miracle. And so you can imagine what happens next. They get brought back in and say, y'all get back here. And so verse 27, when they had brought them, they had them stand before the council. The high priest interrogated them saying, We gave you strict orders. You can kind of see him shaking his finger. We gave you strict orders not to continue teaching in this name. And yet you will fill Jerusalem with your teaching and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Okay, so here's two observations. One is, did you notice the high priest wouldn't even say Jesus' name? He said this name and this man's blood. He's kind of scared to say his name. But then secondly, here's the whole point. You go back to verse 20. That's where an angel sent from heaven, sent by God, gave the apostles an edict, go and teach in the name of Jesus. Now you have the council, all the big-wig religious political leaders, the government, saying, don't teach the name of Jesus. So you have two competing direct opposite edicts, mandates, commands. One from heaven, one from earth, one from God, one from government, one from an angel, one from a council. So who are the apostles going to obey? Verse 29. But Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. And there it is. That sentence right there, my beloved, may be the defining moment of civil disobedience in the New Testament. We must obey God rather than men. Now, I thought about this. What if the apostles had said, okay, you guys are right. We'll stop. We'll stop telling other people about Jesus. We'll kowtow we'll to your wishes. What if they'd stopped? Man, that's a scary thought. We might not be here if they'd have done that. But fortunately for us, they said, we must obey God rather than men. Now, why did they do that? Why did they make that choice? I think because they made a quick inventory, a quick comparison, if you will, between who was giving the edicts. And between God and the council, they chose God. Here's why. Let's keep reading. Look at verse 30. Because God is the God of our fathers who raised up Jesus, whom you put to death by hanging him on a cross. He is the one whom God exalted to his right hand as a prince and a savior to grant repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses of these things and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. So, okay, they did a quick inventory. So the council's giving us this one edict and God's giving us this other edict. Let me think, who am I gonna obey? Okay, the council, these are just men, elected men, probably bought and paid for political pundits, or God. Who's God? Well, God is the God of our fathers. God is the God who's been faithful to every generation. And God is the one who sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to hang on a cross in my place for my sin. And even though Jesus was dead and buried, like the children just testified, on the third day, he rose from the the dead again. And then after he rose from the dead, God ascended him to the right hand of the Father, which, by the way, is the highest place of authority and power in the universe. And then, now he reigns, this passage says, as both a prince and a savior. That word prince means pioneer, the beginning, the starter, the author. It's also used in Hebrews 12, the author and finisher of our faith. Same word. He's the pioneer, the author, the beginner of our faith, and he's also our savior. He's the perfecter. He's the finisher of our faith. And so let me do a quick analysis. Am I going to obey man who's bought and paid for political pundits and leaders, or am I going to obey God who's been faithful to every generation, who loved me enough to die for me, who has the power to raise the dead, who reigns and sits at the right hand of the throne of God, and who is both the pioneer and the perfecter of my salvation. Hmm, Let me think. So with all due respect, councilmen, we must obey God rather than men. Are you with me? And there is the single greatest act of civil disobedience in the New Testament. And thank God they did, or else we might not be here. And sure enough, they did exactly what they said they were going to do. Look, look down at verse 41, would you skip down? Sure enough, so they went on their way from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they had been considered worthy to suffer shame for his name. And every day in the temple and from, our house, from house to house, they did not stop teaching and preaching the good news of Jesus as the Christ. They did it. Thank God. So, okay, let's bring this back Home to you and me. So what now? What? What uh, inspiration and application can we draw from this episode? This is our passage today. God speaking to this church today. he? What does he want to say to us? What does he want to say to you? Well, okay. Let me first begin with a word of I'll call it confession. There is definitely a rebellious part of me. Okay, there's sort of this. Well, okay. I'm an American. I'm a Protestant, I'm a pastor of an independent Bible church, and I'm a Texan, all right? So there's this part of my heart that continuously carries the flag saying, don't tread on me, all right? Anybody else who's with me? Okay, okay. So there's that part of me. However, I got to remind you, as your brother, as a fully devoted follower of Christ, my fellow brothers and sisters, when we think about submitting to our government, this honestly needs to be our first thought, Romans 13.1. Here's what it says. Let each person, every person, be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God. Every person, I think that means you and me. Be subject, that means come under the authority. That's first. First things first. Because God has given authority to governments. Think about it. Remember Jesus, before he gave his great commission, said all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. God has all the authority in heaven and earth, so he creates governments for a season and loans it to them. Governing authorities have whatever authority they have because it's on loan from God. Are you with me? So therefore, we obey government authority because it's on loan from God. Now, Pastor, what if it's the form of government I don't like? Well, here's the second passage from 1 Peter. He says, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether to a king as one in authority or to governors as sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do right. So honestly, beloved, it doesn't matter. We still submit to our governing authorities. However, two things. If or when our government ever issues an edict that comes in direct violation of the edicts of God. And if or when our government ever ceases to perform their divine purpose, which we just read about, which is to punish evildoers and praise good doers, if or when that ever happens, I say to you, as a fully devoted follower of Christ and your brother, we must obey God rather than men. Now, we get to do this in America. We're so blessed to be continuing to ride the coattails of our Judeo-Christian heritage, but our brothers and sisters around the world do this at the cost of their lives. So I, just want, I saw this video clip, and this is just so powerful. Here's a small part of it, but this is Acts 529 on steroids. This is taking place in the Middle East. Here's a pastor from the Middle East who met his wife who was a Muslim who became a follower of Christ. This is what's going on right now in the middle east check this out when i first
1: went into the country and all over the middle east we would say jesus and eight out of ten people will come to christ right then and there jesus is coming in dreams visions and power encounters he's making a mess of the country and we're just the cleanup crew you have to realize jenny this is the biggest revival happening in the middle east since the islamic conquest and jesus is going after these people in muslim nations Because when I look at a Muslim, I see a passionate person in love with God, but the wrong God. And so we have all these Saul to Paul experiences, like my wife. Once she found out the real God was Christ, she's ready to die for him now. And that's what's happening in the Middle East. It's so amazing. And then persecution came, and very hard persecution came. And what happened was, all of a sudden, we were were in all these cities, and then we started to lose the cities. We started losing the churches we started losing leaders and members and i became very upset i almost became depressed because all of my leaders are getting arrested they're looking for me and i would read the book of acts and i would say lord persecution grows the church why is persecution killing the church and finally the lord answers me and he says you made converts not disciples converts will run away from me in persecution disciples will die for me and i said lord what does that mean And he said, look at your wife. And so I'm looking at her and he says, because she encountered me, she will die for me. You must give the word of God, but it must be sealed by the power of God. And so that's what we do right now. We take people on a journey of discipleship from the first moment I see them and we disciple them to Christ. And then we disciple them to leadership. What's the difference in a convert and a disciple? A convert basically knows Jesus as Savior, but not as King. A disciple first knows that Jesus is king and then savior because when you know he's king and he's the only one who's leading you, then you're willing to die for him because you trust him. Even in the worst situation, it needs a change of allegiance. That's what's so simple and yet so obvious. Someone who has an allegiance to Christ, it shines. It screams. It's not about theology. It's about following Jesus, denying yourself, putting yourself up on the cross. But why would you do that? Because you trust God because you've pledged your allegiance to him.
0: Wow. So may I just go to the bottom shelf of your life and ask you a direct personal question. Are you a convert or are you a disciple of Jesus Christ? Because I can see a day even in our own country where you will do so at a cost. Right now, I've met with several of you. Right now, some of you are losing your jobs for following Christ. One of you, a Marine, is facing uh, to be dishonorably discharged for following Christ. I can see a day in this country where Christian doctors will one day break the law if they refuse to perform an abortion. I can see a day in this country where Christian ministers will break the law if they refuse to perform a gay wedding. So let me just say to you, my brothers and sisters, this is my commitment to you and to God. If ever any of my gay friends come to me, and listen, I have gay friends. There are people walking this planet that mean a lot to me and my family who are gay. If they ever come to me and say, hey, would you officiate my wedding? I would have to politely say, I just can't do that. And then if the law gets involved and the government gets involved and they come to me and they say, Pastor Sherm, you either do that wedding or you go to jail, here's my response. I choose the chains rather than disobey the Lord who's given me a direct edict not to do that. My brothers and sisters in Christ, choose the reproach of this world rather than the reproach of God. Be a fully devoted follower of Christ, not just a convert. In the spirit of the founding fathers of this country and of the church, we must obey God rather than men let's pray oh heavenly father you're worth it (laughs) it's just it's just good for our hearts and our faith just to be reminded of who you are you have been faithful to every generation you do love us that much to send your only son to die on a cross for our sins and you do have that much power to resurrect lives thank you lord jesus for coming You reign at the right hand of the Father. You reign, like we just sang about. You reign above it all. You reign over our hearts. So Lord, if there is anyone here this morning or anyone listening, wherever you are in the world, and look, you're just being honest with God right now. And you can just say, you know what? I'm a convert, but I'm not a fully devoted follower of Jesus. Today, wherever you are, would you resolve as a man or woman or young adult of faith and ask him, Lord, make me a fully devoted follower. Lord, I'm willing to suffer the cost for Christ. I'm choosing to obey God rather than men, because God, you're worth it. You're worth it all. That's our firm resolve. As men and women of faith, we pray that in agreement and faith and in Jesus' name, our Prince and our Savior, amen.